Okay. So again, today's Mother's Day. I'd like to wish everyone a happy Mother's Day. Our message today, no surprise, is about a woman. She's a woman in the Old Testament. She has a book of the Bible named for her. One of two books of the Bible that are named for women. She was not born Jewish. She was born and raised in Moab. She was a Gentile. Can't you guess who she was? Or is. If you guessed Esther, you guessed wrong. <laughs> if you guessed Ruth, you're correct. Esther was a Jewish woman who married a Gentile, and while Ruth was a Gentile woman who married a Jew. Years ago, there was a list compiled of the most popular names for girls. And, and at that time, Ruth was seventh on the list. Now, I heard someone mention this very same thing this week, and Ruth wasn't even mentioned once. Now, I don't know how many was on the group. But how, just as a question this morning, how many people either have someone in your family or you know named Ruth? I have... Uh, I have two cousins whose names Ruth. Oh, and by the way, a, a sister-in-law named Ruth, Ruth Ann Hagen. Anybody know her? She lived here for many years and went to high school here. Ruth Ann Havens, you have a questioning look back there. Ruth Ann Havens? Don't know her, okay. I suspect that Ruth is still a very popular name for girls. So let's turn to the book of Ruth this morning and look and see what we can come up with there. Chapter 1, verses 16, 17, some of the most beautiful words in Scripture. Entreat me not to leave you, or turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. And your people shall be my people, and your God my God. And where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do this and more to me also, if anything but death parts me. You and me. Wow. That's uh, some very powerful words. Ruth's name means a sight worth seeing. It means beauty. And it means friendship. So she must have been a very beautiful woman. And friendship speaks of uh, being type of woman to be very easy to get along with. Speaks of a loving and a giving nature. In scripture it's recorded for us that she was a young lady of Moab. 
She's also called a Moabitess and a woman of Moab. Now, first of all, Moab was not a godly nation. It was founded by Lot, Lot's son by his eldest daughter. That's not a, a, a very good way to start a nation. They were idol worshipers, and their chief god was Chemosh. Now, I couldn't find a lot about him, and I didn't look search too hard <laughs> because it wasn't that important. But there's no record of Ruth's family or her, part, her, her past. A.B. Stringfellow, in his study of Ruth, wrote, The book of Ruth belongs to the period of the Judges. It records the true story of a young Gentile girl with qualities admired by both Jew and Gentiles down through history. If you remember about, about the period of the Judges, it says the Bible says there was no king in Israel. And everybody did just exactly what was right in his own eyes. Not a good way to run a country. And so it seems that we're running that, our, that way today. But when God writes the history of a life, he does it with a purpose to teach us something or to illustrate some truth that we don't know. And the life of Ruth does both. Elimelech was her father-in-law, the husband of Naomi. And because of a famine in Israel, picked up his family and moved to Moab where food was more abundant. It was a case, I guess you would say, of the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. They lived there 10 years. And there Elimelech died. Later, his two sons, Malan and Kilian, ignoring or ignorant of God's way, married two women of Moab. Their names were Ruth and Orpah. In time, both young men died. We're not told by why they died, what happened to them, war or famine or whatever, but they died. And here's Naomi with two young widows. And she learned that the famine was over in Israel and decided to return to her own country. It seems that for the, at first both Ruth and Orpah decided to go with Naomi. But at Naomi's urging, Orpah turned back. She couldn't turn her, her, her back on her family, her friends, and worst of all, her idols. It seems that to go on to Israel would uh, cost her too much. It was true then, as, and it's true now, that uh, sin will take you further than you want to go and keep you there longer than you want to stay. Orpah could have come under the protecting wing of the God of Israel, but the pull and the call of the idols of Moab were just too strong. 
and she must have paid a terrible price for eating that gall. Not so Ruth. Ruth loved her mother-in-law and was loyal to her and decided to go on with her at whatever the cost. And because of this, we have uh, these two most beautiful verses in Scripture. Interesting little story I found while studying for this sermon. It seems that Benjamin Franklin in, in France was ridiculed for being a believer in, in the Bible. And there was some society of some kind, literary society, gave him a hard time for it. And he decided to find out just how much scripture that they had read. And he made an appointment to come before them and he read a story to them. The story of Ruth. They didn't recognize it. They'd never read it. They urged him to publish it. And he informed them it's already been published. It's in the Bible that you ridicule. Uh, he must have been a very hard man to fool. But it's just an interesting little side note of this, this message. Notice something very important that Ruth said, and it came from her heart. And that was, your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Now, Boaz, in the book of Ruth, says it very well. You have left your father and your mother in the land of your birth, and have come to a people whom you do not know, did not know before. May a full reward be given to you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. I think that's an interesting way of putting it. You get, kind of get the picture of a mother hen taking care of her little chicks under her wings. And maybe that's the tender way that the Lord does it in a situation like that. By her decision, Ruth became one of God's people. And when she and Naomi arrived in Israel, it was Ruth's duty and delight to take care of Naomi. That meant that she'd have to go into the fields and glean after the reapers, and it was the beginning of the barley harvest. If you remember, the edges of the fields and the corners of the field were to be left for people who were poor, and Naomi and Ruth were poor. By chance, Ruth arrived at the field of Boaz to glean. God, by his wisdom, arranges the events of the lives of those whom he loves. Boaz was wealthy. Even better, Boaz was a potential kinsman redeemer to Ruth. In the Old Testament, a kinsman had the right and obligation to redeem a relative. That's 
Leviticus chapter 25. In Hebrew, the word is goel, one who can, who could redeem by paying. First of all, he must be willing to redeem. He must be a kinsman to redeem is the second. And third, he must have the means and the power to redeem. There was uh, one man who held first place to redeem Ruth, but was not willing to marry a Moabite woman. So that left the way open for Boaz to redeem and marry Ruth. Ruth became the bride of Boaz because he brought bought all that belonged to the husbands of Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah. And in time, Ruth and Boaz had a son whose name was Obed. Now notice something interesting in the genealogy in Ruth chapter 4, verses 17 through 26. Ruth the Gentile was the mother of Obed. Obed became the father of Jesse. Jesse became the father of King David. So Ruth the Gentile was the grandmother of David, Israel's greatest king. Ruth, a virtuous Gentile, was in the line of Christ. Other women in this line were Tamar, Rahab, Bathsheba, but only Ruth was called virtuous. The book of Ruth is filled with New Testament teachings and pictures and in type. Ruth is a picture of the church, the bride of the Redeemer. When Ruth had no hope in anyone other than Boaz, when she knelt at his feet, he graciously received her. Today, Jesus Christ is our kinsman redeemer. He bought us at the price of his own blood. The church is the bride of Christ. Interesting thought. For Christ to be our kinsman redeemer, the incarnation was completely necessary. He must be one of us to pay for our sins on the cross. He had to be sinless because otherwise he would be dying for his own sins rather than yours and mine. So sinless he was and sinless he is. Boaz is a picture of our Redeemer. Jesus Christ, he, he met all the requirements of a Goel. He was willing to redeem. He was willing to redeem, and this is a picture of Jesus, if you will. But when in the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters, by the way. 
The second thing is he must have a must be a kinsman to have the right to redeem. Philippians chapter 2 verse 7. And there here Jesus made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man of men. And he must have the power and the means to redeem. John chapter 10 verses 11 and 18. Jesus said I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. Those are some very powerful words if you think about them a little bit. One of the things that we get out of the story of Ruth is here is a Hebrew family, Jewish family, who left their own country and went to a foreign country, somewhere where they shouldn't be. The two sons married women from Moab. Now, it could have never turned out very well with Orpah as it did with Ruth. But idol worship is something that could have been brought into the family. You know, we do the same things. We get out of the will of God and we wonder why things happen to us. And look around today at our nation, the problems we're having and the, the lawlessness the godlessness and we're in trouble I just have to wonder if we're not very close to the to the rapture of the church I suspect that we are now what a terrible time will be for those that are left behind But we, again, I have, and I'm going to say something and probably offend some of you. But the truth of the matter is, we are one election away from casting away everything that the founders of our country accomplished for us and left to us. We have uh, turned our back on God, and I'm afraid that he's going to turn his back on us. We all need to remember to pray every day for a revival in our nation. Because if God doesn't take a hand to save us or save our nation, I don't think anyone will, anyone else will. Uh, we certainly have one party that's doing everything they can to tear us apart. God help us. I'm going to close in prayer. Father God, we just absolutely do need your help. We ask your blessings on all those present here this morning. We ask your blessings, Lord, and upon those on the prayer list and that you would render to each his need or her need. Lord, we thank you for the mothers that are present here this morning. We 
pray that they'll have a very pleasant day, family day. And Lord, we pray for a great awakening. We pray for a revival. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.